Praise the name of the Lord. It's good to be in the house of the Lord with you tonight. Are you excited to be here in the house of the Lord? Of anywhere else you could have been, aren't you glad you're in the house of the Lord? Praise the name of the Lord. Lord's laid something on my heart. I'm going to get right into the message tonight. I don't plan on being very long. I'm thankful for the ones that are here. We got a lot of our teenagers that are gone tonight to camp with Brother Mike out on the camp. We'll remember them in prayer tonight. They're doing a phenomenal work for the Lord. And we're proud of them. So I'm going to open up with one very short scripture. And it's Zechariah 10 and 1. And it says this very simply. Ask the Lord for rain in the time of the latter rain. Ask the Lord for rain in the time of the latter rain. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Father, as is written in Zechariah's day, today we follow the instructions. We ask you for rain in the time of this latter rain. In other words, God, we're asking you, Father, for more rain. We ask you for an abundance of rain. We ask you for, like the Holy Spirit, to rain and to saturate us, bathe us in your presence, God. We need your presence, just like a drought needs a rain, God. And we're asking for the Holy Spirit to rain upon our nation, God, Lord. We're asking for things to happen, God, for you to move and to shake this earth for your glory, God. And we're praying, God, that tonight would be a beginning, God, of something, a part of your plan, God, of what you're wanting to do right here, Father, in Popper Bluff, Missouri. We yield our hearts and lives to unite, dear God, and we submit to you, God. Have your way, O oh God. Do it again. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. I want to begin by saying there's nothing more important to this service tonight than having the presence of the Holy Spirit fill this room. Because without him, nothing's going to happen eternally for you. No one's going to be transformed in this room without him. No one's going to be delivered in this room. No one's going to be healed in this room. No one's going to be baptized in the Holy Ghost tonight without the Holy Spirit. Without the Holy Spirit, this message will be nothing short of a motivational speech. Uh, an attendance achievement for those who are present. It will be counted as a faithful gesture by you, a religious act or formality that's taken place in this room. Now, knowing this, how many of you tonight would love to have the presence of God fill this room and officiate this service? Then would you stand like you mean it and welcome his presence into this place and commit to engage into it tonight? Father, we welcome you. Have your way, God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Have your way. The only hope for America, the only hope for revival is for the Holy Spirit's presence to rain down on us in these last days. Church, it is time for the latter rain. It is time for men and women to welcome him back into our lives, into our homes, into the lives of our children, and into our schools. The only way to get people to quit running from him and back to him is for men and women to become heroes of the faith and help rescue this nation from the evil one. It's going to take men, women, and children even, full of the Holy Ghost. I'm telling you, it's going to take a strange fire. 
It's going to take a chosen generation of peculiar people, a royal priesthood that is willing to show forth the praises of him that has called you and called me out of his darkness into his marvelous light. See, church mechanics and religious formalities, seeker-friendly churches are all familiar antics of the Laocedian church age. There's nothing peculiar about the folks that participate in self-serving traditions. What will be peculiar in this hour is when people want to encounter and experience the presence of God, who approach his presence hungry and thirsty enough without the restraints of pride and self-righteousness, who don't want to wait for the fire to start, but they actually want to be the fire starters. Hallelujah. The fire will be strange to the normal rationale of church adequacy. It will be a violation of the church ontology of this age that suggests you sit down and you shut up in God's holy presence. But God's peculiar people will not sit down. They will, they will declare, I will not sit down. I can't shut up. It's like a fire shut up in my bones. I yearn to be engulfed in his presence. I long to be free of the stigma of religion. I hunger and I thirst for your presence again, oh God. Oh Lord, even on my hands and knees, I come to you, God. I said you did it back then, God. Can you do it again, God? You sent the former rain, God. Would you send the latter rain, oh Lord? Do it, God. Do it in this age, in this hour, Father. Let your rain fall your Holy Spirit fall upon us and saturate us, O oh God. The temperature of the atmosphere of this church tells us we have a revival fever, that we're on the verge of a breakthrough into a new dimension of God's transformative power. The only question remains is how hungry are we and at what price are we willing to pay of ourselves to push through into his glory? It's going to cost you something, church. In the 1940s, there was a professor in England named Professor Orr who taught theology at a university there in England. He one day decided he's going to take his theology students on a field trip to visit some of the most significant places that he felt had the theological significance in England. He took them by bus to visit many religious sites. One of the places that he took them to was called the Epworth Rectory, which is actually simply the living quarters of one of the greatest reformers of the church. His name was John Wesley. John Wesley has put in place a lot of foundational theology which can be found in many of the churches still today. John Wesley was a man who studied, preached, prayed earnestly that revival would come not only to England, but it also come to America. He and others like him through prayer ushered in some of the great revivals that swept through America in the early 1900s where the masses of people were coming to know Jesus Christ as their personal savior. And due to the outpouring of God's spirit, revivals happened that have made the history books that we still look back on, that we still read about, that we still pray about today. It was because of men like John Wesley who were on their knees fervently praying that God's spirit would reign on the earth again and cause revival to come back to this nation. Our nation has been greatly affected by those times. So the students were excited to visit his rectory, his house, to tour it. As they arrived, Professor Orr first took them into the kitchen where there still remained furniture where John Wesley used to eat his lunches and his dinners. And then he took them on into the study. And they were enamored at the books that were still in the bookcases, the old, old books 
that John Wesley personally read and they would, were allowed to take them out of the bookcases. They were allowed to read them, a little bit of them, and look at them. And they often found where he'd wrote in the books. And it just amazed them that these were held by the hands of John Wesley. And then after that, he took them up to, uh, to the second floor. And when he took them up to the second floor, it was a more private place in his house. It was his bedroom. And as he came into the room, they said they lined up around the bed. It was a very small, tiny room. He said, and they were standing there. One of the young men looked down and seen in the carpet, there was these two worn spots on the side of the bed. And he asked the professor, he said, professor, is there any significance to this? And the professor said, yes, there was. The worn spots in the carpet were the result of John Wesley every morning for years, kneeling beside his bed and praying, not for a minute or two, but for several hours for revival. So much that his knees had left imprints by wearing the carpet fibers down to a thread. Then upon leaving the room, the students went back down, got back on the bus, ready to go to the next stop. Professor Orr got on the bus, and as he always did, he counted heads to make sure he didn't leave anybody behind. Upon counting them, he realized one of them was not in the bus. And he realized it was a young man. So he immediately gets off the bus, goes back into the house. He goes into the kitchen. He can't find him there. He goes into the study. The young man's not there. Finally, he goes back up the stairs, and just as he's starting to enter into the bedroom, he's seen the head and the shoulders of the young man laying across the bed with his knees planted right where John Wesley used to plant his knees. And as he stood there, he could hear him praying, Lord, do it again. Do it again, Lord. And Lord, would you do it again with me? The professor Orr said he walked over around the bed to where the student was, laid his hands on his shoulder and said, young man, it's time to go. The young man got up like it was requested and Billy Graham walked back down the stairs to the bus and joined his fellow students. And as we all know, God did it again through him. Revival comes with a cost, a desire, a yearning to petition God through prayer. And preparation must be made to be prepared to handle it when it comes. Now, in my passage of Scripture, Zechariah 10.1, Ask you the Lord rain in the times of the latter rain, so the Lord shall make bright clouds and give them showers of rain. The terms former rain and latter rain are better understood when related to farming or an agricultural process. Like relating an agricultural harvest, to a spiritual harvest. The former rain speaks of the rain that comes before the seed is planted in the ground. It's necessary, for if not, it will become impossible to plant a successful crop. And the latter rain speaks of the rain that is necessary to cause the seed to bring forth a great harvest. So the former is referencing a planting season, and the latter rain is representing a harvest season. Former rain is referring to the rain that is necessary before planting, and the latter rain is referring to the rain that's necessary to have a good harvest. The latter rain that is spoken of in Scripture, God is prepared to release upon this earth in the last days, is for the last day harvest of souls, church. Church, it's harvest time. It is time for the latter rain to fall. It's time to pray for the rain that brings forth the harvest to fall. It believes already, it's, I believe it's already begun to rain in parts of our world, in parts of our nation. We've done had the former rain to come. It fell on the day of Pentecost in the upper room. 
when the Holy Spirit fell upon 120 disciples of Jesus Christ, baptizing them with the Holy Ghost, empowering them to be witnesses that began to plant a harvest. On that day alone, 3,000 souls were saved. And from that day to this day, his disciples have continued to sow and sow for the purpose to reap a harvest. But this scripture talks about a second rain that's coming in the last days known as the latter rain. That is for the purpose of a great harvest. Due to the outpouring raining of his spirit upon all flesh, as was spoken of in Acts 2, 17. And it shall come to pass in the last day, saith God, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and daughters will prophesy, and your young men will see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. According to Pentecost's interpretation, the former rain referred to speaking in tongues during the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit was poured down on the followers of Christ in the upper room. And the latter rain is referred to a second period when people would again receive the Holy Spirit and speak in tongues as a sign that the second coming of Christ would soon occur. In the last day outpouring like the first outpouring, the former and the latter rain refers to different rain seasons. The different words for the former and latter rains in biblical Hebrew are yore and malkosh. The former rains also called yore. They're the first rains, the gentle rains that fall on a parched land. What the former rains would do is soften up the parched ground in the spring in order to make it ready for the first round of planting. This actually usually happens after land has been experiencing a drought due to a lack of rain. And the latter rains, on the other hand, are called malkosh. This rain season falls much harder than the former rains. It's necessary to bring forth a harvest. Come on, somebody. you got to get a hold of this. It's an indication of what season that we are in. And it's essential for preparing the ground for the second stage of the harvest by penetrating the softer ground in order to bring forth the harvest. Much like the former rains, God pours rain on us. First, the former rains to soften our ground and relieve us of the impact of the parched seasons it's had in our lives. According to Scripture, there's a connection between the Holy Spirit and water. The Holy Spirit is symbolized by the former and latter rains poured on us by God because of his love, his goodness, his mercy, and his grace. Now, the rain cycles in Israel had been established by God as two major outpourings, known as the former rain and the latter rain. One came in the spring and one came in the autumn. One that marked the beginning of the planting season, making it possible for the seed to be sown, and one coming at the ending of the harvest season, making it possible for the seed to grow into a harvest. Without the release of these rains, no harvest could be received in Israel. Their economy was dependent on it. Their livelihood was dependent on it. Their harvest was dependent on it. Therefore, they were dependent on God to send it. And any time that a drought came, they believed it was God speaking to them. Any time that they believed God had withheld the rain, they would know that they had drifted away, that their hearts were not right with God. And they would begin to repent, and they would pray for rain. Church, we have been in a spiritual drought, and it's time for the church to realize God has been speaking to us. We have drifted away as a nation. Our hearts have not been right with God, and it's time as a nation to repent and ask God to send the rain of the Holy Spirit again. Do it again, Lord. Lord, do it again, and would you do it again this time with me, Lord? But know this. When we do, it's different now than any other time in history. The hour in which we are praying for his spiritual reign is of the most importance. This drought is different because it's at such a different timetable in history. We're in the last days. The second coming of Jesus Christ is closer than it's ever been. Time is short. 
It's not our friend. I remember God had me prophesy to this congregation. God said, tell you, whatever you're going to do for the Lord, do it quickly because time is short. And this time when we pray, we're given instructions in Zacharias today for this day in which we live. As you ask the Lord for rain, in times the latter rain, ask him again. In other words, ask him for double rain because he can do it. He said so in Joel 2.23. He said, be glad, you children of Zion, and rejoice in the Lord your God, for he has given you the former rain faithfully, and he will cause the rain to come down for you, the former rain and the latter rain in the first month. In other words, at the same time. He's saying, I'm going to increase the abundance of rain. I'm going to not give you not only the former rain in the first month, I'm going to give you both the former and the latter rain in the first month. Why? Because I'm going to accelerate the harvest of the land. And I came to tell you in the last day, God's going to accelerate his plan for restoration and for the harvest of this land. Things that used to take months to happen are going to begin to happen a whole lot quicker. Now, why is that? Because it's necessary for this end-time harvest. He's going to do something supernatural that goes against a normal cycle of rain. He's going to give us a double rain in these last days to those who ask. That's why Zacharias said, ask for rain in the latter rain. In other words, ask for a double rain, ask for more. The purpose of this last day outpouring, the latter rain is to bring forth the harvest. And Zacharias says, when it comes, it's time to pray for more rain that will bring forth greater harvest than this world has ever known. It's time to pray for an abundant harvest because Jesus is coming back soon. And rain is what causes things to grow and what causes things to be fruitful. Church, we have planted and we have planted and we have sown and we have sown. But in these last days during the latter rain, sowing and reaping are going to begin to accelerate because time is short. As fast as you put a seed in the ground, it will be time to harvest it. It has been prophesied. Amos 9 and 13, the days are coming, announces the Lord. At that time, those who plow the land will catch up with those who harvest the crops. That day is now. Things are going to begin to accelerate in the times of the latter rain. The gifts of the Spirit, including tongues, are going to be received through the laying on hands like never before. Divine healing will be administered through the laying on hands like never before. Praise and worship will worship us into God's presence like never before. Denominational lines will be destroyed. The church will unify in the last days like never before. Manifested demonstrations of his power will be seen like never before. Souls will be one for the kingdom of God like never before. Many have fallen away. Many have went astray. But hold on. They'll be back someday and sooner than you think. Hallelujah. As Pentecostals, we believe that the former rain was the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit poured out on Jesus' 120 disciples gathered in that room in Jerusalem and believe that the evidence of signs and wonders such as speaking in other tongues underscored the former rain. I believe that in these latter days, because of the latter rain, we're going to begin to see a resurgence of signs and wonders in this 21st century. When the greatest revival of all is going to take place before the second coming of the Lord, it's going to produce the greatest harvest of souls we've ever known. 
God's fixing to launch the church into a supernatural acceleration of soul winning. To our amazement, we're the least likely, we're the hard cases, we're the oppressed, the depressed, the addicted, the bound, we're the atheist, we're the agnostic, we're the prisoner, we're the perverted, we're the psychotic, we're the demon possessed, will be set free by the power of the Holy Ghost. And he or she that was headed for hell will now be headed to heaven. Hallelujah. Give God praise. Get ready. Just when you weren't sure your daughter was going to make it or you thought your son was going to miss it, I came to tell you in this last day outpouring, sons and daughters are going to come from afar. Isaiah said so in chapter 16 and 4. Look and see for everyone's coming home. Your sons are coming from the distant lands. Your little daughters will be carried home. In Isaiah 43 and 6, the Lord says, I will say to the north, give them up. And I will say to the south, do not hold them back. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the ends of the earth. That's revival, church. God, let it rain. Open the floodgates of heaven. And God, would you please once again, just let it begin to rain. Hallelujah. God is saying as he did in Isaiah's day, arise and shine for the light has come. The glory of the Lord rises upon you. See, darkness covers the earth and thick darkness is over the peoples, but the Lord rises upon you and his glory appears over you. Nations will come to your light and kings to the brightness of your dawn. Your gates will always stand open. They will never be shut day or night. This last day revival will be perpetual. You won't be able to shut the doors of the church for the size of the crowds that will come through because God says, I'm sending a double rain. I'm sending exceedingly abundantly above what you're even able to ask or even think. Hallelujah. In these last days in the latter rain, God says, I'll pour out my spirit. And it won't be by power nor by might, but by my spirit, said the Lord of hosts. I say, let it rain, church. I say, let it rain. I smell the aroma of rain. Have you ever noticed right before it rains, the earth puts off an aroma? Church, I smell it. I smell the rain coming. Therefore, it's time to pray for more rain. Now, Jonathan Ziegler, most of y'all know, prophesied this scripture over our church at a camp meeting three or four years ago. Pastor was there, and Kathy was there, Rhonda was there. He was so excited, he came running to us with his Bible. He said, Pastor, read this. And I think he told him to read it again. It says, when the latter rain comes, ask for more rain. He said, Pastor, when the, ladder, when the rain shows up at your church, pray for more rain. It's time, church. It is time. Ah. It's time to pray for more. More. It works. Roe versus Wade is no longer federal law. It took 50 years of praying, but today God has answered, I smell rain. It's not completely abolished, but it's beginning to rain. One thing for sure, there may be a few places left to have an abortion in our nation, but as for Missouri, the blood of killing innocent babies is no longer on hands. It's starting to rain. Hallelujah. 
And what makes me so happy, I know there's probably a lot of churches in Missouri have prayed for that, but I know one thing for sure, I belong to a church that I know prayed for that. And God is answering the prayer. The Spirit of the Lord is moving. He's reigning upon the earth. And what God is fixing to do won't take 50 years no more. Things are fixing to accelerate. Revival is coming back to the land. Why? Because if my people which are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will heal their, forgive their sins and I will heal their land. We've been praying and we must pray for more. According to Matthew 5, 46, it rains on the just and the unjust. We're not to be praying just for the rain to fall on the church. We're to be praying for the rain to fall on the unjust in hopes of them coming just. I declare you, God's going to institute a reformation in the church like never before. That's going to set this church back in order and back on track. That he's going to do a new thing. And the reformation is going to take us back to the basic foundations of Christianity. To where God's reverenced again. The word is the absolute truth. Prayer is effective and worship is pure which once again will bring renewal to the church. This is what the latter rain is going to do. The church has wandered off track for too long. We've lowered the standards of holiness in return for attendance. There was a reformation in the 16th century church that led to the reform of the Roman Catholic church that led to the Protestant church being formed. Now here we are five centuries later, and God is reforming the church to be vibrant and strong and effective again. And I'm telling you, it's begun. And God is starting to set the church back on the right path before he calls her home. Church, we're fixing to be in a spiritual fight like never before. The enemy has divided our nation. His strategy is to divide and conquer, and it's working against the world. He's turning family against family. He's turning the government against the people. He's turning one race against another race. He's turning one political party against another political party. And he's coming for the church next to try to split it, to try to divide it. That might work with the things of this world, but not with the kingdom of God, because we serve the master of the universe, and his name is Jehovah God Almighty. Hallelujah. The evil leaders of the world know what happens if you split an atom. It causes more neutrons to form, causing a chain reaction. That in return causes an atomic explosion. Well, when they come for the church, and they will, they're fixing to find out what happens when you try to split the church. When they try to split a spiritual atom, they're going to face a spiritual explosion. Just like in Stephen's day when they stoned him in an effort to silence the church to try to split it. It scattered all right, but instead of destroying the church, it caused a spiritual explosion. And we've got a decision to make if we want to be a part of this last reformation or not. This is the beginning of the 21st century reformation of the church that will be used for the transformation of lives. To reap the greatest harvest of souls five centuries later. I'm telling you, Christ is coming back after a church without spot or blemish. That's what this latter rain, this last day outpouring is going to do. It's going to prepare us to be ready for the second coming of Christ, our Lord and our Savior. That's the church that's been truly transformed as a part of the last day revival, where once again righteousness and holiness will exist in the hearts of true believers who hunger and thirst for it. They shall be filled. There is evidence now that signifies this process has begun. There's a shifting taking place in the atmosphere. You can't put God in a box. You can't contain him. Never forget his glory fills the earth. 
I'm telling you, I feel it in here. The strength of a church will no longer be measured in numbers and in deeds alone. Let me say that again. The church will no longer be measured in numbers and deeds alone for its strength. Instead, its strength will be measured by its commitment to the spreading of the gospel of Jesus Christ in these last days to a lost and dying world. That will be the remnant church. You know, when there's a lot of people, I don't care what they're doing, they can make a lot of noise and never accomplish anything. For years, the church has been going through many different styles and trends and fads and traditions. From the changing of the songs, changing the programs, changing the facilities, changing the standards, mostly conforming to cultural likings. Well, we long believed if we're going to be effective, we got to create this and that. We got to offer this and that. We got to change this and that. We have to, to let up on this and let up on that. We got to be more user friendly. We got to be more convenient. We got to have advanced technology and creative concepts. We must have shorter services and fewer services, all due to the fact that we have concluded that our beliefs and our standards of holiness have caused the church to become burdensome and lethargic by our standards. And to increase in anything or to require more commitment of anyone falls into the accusatory concept of being religious fanatics. Therefore, we sit and we watch the decline of the church while the world waxes worse and worse. Can I tell you, there's nothing new under the sun. It took Jesus then, and it's going to take Jesus now. It's still just Jesus that saves, delivers, heals, and still draws a crowd. The hour we're in was prophesied to come in Matthews 24 and 12. And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. Because of lawlessness, people of the world are angry. Everybody's fed up, and they're ready to strike back. Everybody's angry. The world's angry, and now even the church is angry. The chaos is causing violence to escalate. No one's exempt. We're all affected by it. Nobody wants any laws biblically nor governmentally. Even declaring the Bible and the Constitution is not even certain anymore. Evil's rampant. They're ready to wave their victory flags. The world's view is, is, is that we are free-falling, and we haven't hit the bottom, that it's going to get a whole lot deeper than we can even imagine. The church feels helpless due to it has been in hiding and silent for too long, and the result is as was foretold. People's hearts are failing them because of fear, and their hearts are growing cold and indifferent to their fellow man. But I say, hold on just a minute. Satan, don't wave that flag just yet because it's starting to rain. Things are starting to accelerate. This all looks different from heaven's point of view. It all looks different to a God who's not shaken, nor will, be not, will not be mocked. He's not been caught off guard. He's not lost control. He knew this day was coming before it ever came. It was written and declared 2,000 years ago, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1 through 5. But know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure, rather than lovers of God. That's our world today. The church has not and will not be canceled. The biggest problem the far left has is they've, woke, have, have a, they've waken up a sleeping giant called the church. They're no longer going to face the church in its lawfulness and its silence. 
They're fixing to face the church in its greatest hour of strength and power. Help is on the way. The church is fixing to rise up and our enemies fixing to be scattered. The Reformation is going to take us back to the basic foundations of Christianity. It's going to rain, you know. It's going to rain, you know. It's just like the Charles and the revivers used to say, and you better get ready because it's going to rain. And as it does, we are to pray for more rain. I'd like my musicians to go ahead and come. Told you, I'm not going to be long tonight. We need both the former rain and the latter rain at the same time for this harvest. Time is short. Jesus is coming. It's time to be planting and harvesting. It's time to tell your neighbor, your friends, your employee, your family, and even strangers about Jesus. And the latter rain is going to water your seed. And it's going to cause it to grow a harvest. Now, this message has been on my heart for a couple weeks. And since the time it got on my heart, I've seen confirmation after confirmation that the latter rain is coming. And it's so close I can smell the rain. I was sitting in my office this morning, and the Lord, like the Lord said, look out the window. I looked out the window. It's so dark. So dark. I thought... It must be fixing the rain. So I walked out into the foyer, and I walked out there, and there's a lot of the guys were standing there watching as well. It was over in that part of, the, of our uh, area. And I walked out, opened the door, and I walked out for a minute. I could smell the rain. Uh, it's, it is fixing the rain. And then the wind began to blow really hard. And then we stood there, and we looked way past We've seen the rain before it ever got here. We've seen the wind blowing it, and it was coming, and it was coming, and it was getting closer and closer. It was increasing. It was coming faster and faster to finally it hit here, and it was a gully washer poured down out there. People were trying to get in out of the rain, rushing out of the rain. Many of them were trying to get in the building, and a lot of them was pulling out their umbrellas trying to get in, trying not to get wet wisely and get into the church. I thought, okay, I've seen it. And the Lord spoke to me. He said, Randy, that's how it's going to come. It's going to look dark. You'll be able to smell the rain, though. And then the Holy Spirit, the wind, is going to start to blow. And the rain's going to come. And it's going to be an abundance. And it's going to fall. And like this morning, after a very short period of time, it blew through, blew out, and the sun shined. And God said, that's what I'm going to do to darkness. That's what my lighter rain is going to do to darkness. It's going to come. And it's going to saturate this earth. And you know what? The, it's going to saturate. It's going to water the harvest. You know what the harvest is? People. It's going to saturate the people, the just and the unjust. He said, and I'm going to do a great work in him. But then he said this to me. But he said, our reaction to the spiritual rain has got to be different than that of the physical rain. Our reaction to the spiritual rain has got to be different 
than our reaction to the physical rain. See, the physical rain, nobody wanted to get wet. You see, the latter rain is going to be a manifestation. As Josh said this morning, it's going to be tangible. You're going to be able to experience it. Tell you what I want to do. These first two or three rows across there, I want you guys all close your eyes. Just close your eyes. This latter rain will be a manifestation. It's going to be tangible. And when it begins to rain, you're going to feel it. It'll be tangible. It's coming. You got to be willing to want to get wet. You can't worry about it if you get your hair wet. You can't worry about it if it gets your clothes wet. But you'll feel it. It'll be tangible. It'll be refreshing. God's promised it. You can smell it. You can even sense it's coming. But it's coming. This rain is a manifestation. This rain is something that you'll feel. This rain is something that you will experience. Now look at me if you've got your eyes still. Look at me now. But God said in too many churches, when I send my rain, this is what I see. My church does this. But they say they want the lighter rain, Randy. But this is why they're dry. They're treating the spiritual rain like the physical rain. Instead of getting in it, they're trying to get out of it. The reason I said this began two weeks ago when God put this in my spirit is because of what I've witnessed in the last two weeks. I've seen the lighter rain fall in church. I've seen it. I've seen it. I've seen pictures of it. I've seen videos of it. I can even tell you where it was falling at. It was falling at church camp. Zach took some 60 teenagers to church camp. I've seen pictures. I've seen videos posted. What God was doing in the lives of these teenagers, your teenagers, they were getting saved, baptized, healed, filled with the Holy Ghost. And God spoke to me and said, Randy, it's raining there. I said, it is, Lord. Only for another week to pass, Mike Lampkin takes 83 of our children 
your children, your grandchildren, my grandchildren. And I've seen pictures of what God was doing in the lives of these little children. And God said, it's still raining, Randy. I said, I see that, Lord. If you didn't get to see it, I want them to pick up, up the first picture. I want you to notice something. You don't see any umbrellas in that picture. You see laying on of hands. You see people, children praying. You see the Spirit of God raining down on our children. Our children, church, our teenagers, it is raining. Don't tell me it's not raining. Don't tell me the latter rain's not here. It's here. And then I want, and something really, I'm a little biased in this next picture, but I want you to see this next picture. That's my grandson. Never been in a Pentecostal service in his life. Don't know a thing really a lot about it. But he just, he was willing to stand in the rain. No umbrellas, just pure hearts that wanted it. And God was able to move in their midst. They weren't running to get out of the rain. They were standing in the rain. But then I got to pose the question to us. But what have they come home to? They're fired up. They're still wet. But are we doing this? Are we doing this? God wants to do for mom and dad, for grandma and grandpa, what he did for them. If you can't see it, God's trying to put all these pieces together. If it's good enough for our children and our grandchildren, then it should be good enough for us. I've always thought it was going to be our young people who will spark this revival. We're all saying we want to be a part of it. But when are we going to be willing to get wet? I'm going to tell you, it really convicted me. In this latter day, we got to ask the question, the latter rain comes. Is the church going to be like this? Are we going to put this away and say, Oh God, do it again. Rain on me, God. You did it before, God. Would you do it again, God? Would you pour it out on me, God? And God, when the latter rain comes, God, I'm going to ask you for more rain. I'm going to say, God, would you just saturate me? I'm not afraid to get wet, God. I'm not afraid. God wants to send his rain to a church that's ready to get wet with the Holy Spirit. I want you to stand with me. If that's you, I want you to find your way to this altar. If you say, God, would you do it again? Would you rain on me like you did my children? Would you rain on me like you did my grandchildren? I'm not ashamed. I'm not embarrassed. 
I want this. I've prayed for this. And I'm asking you, God, would you come? Find you a place at this altar. That's what they did. And they began to seek the Lord. And the Holy Spirit began to reign on them and began to move on them. Guys, if you would go ahead and begin to worship.